0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 178 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Equestrian Collections.
2: This is Reese Koffler stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky.
1: And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our producer as well, Glenn.
0: Hey, guys. Hi, guys. How are you? Well, Reese, you were on vacation last week. How'd it go?
2: It was great. I, I do actually have a little bit of a cold. So I apologize to everybody as yes, I'm a little hoarse. but you got um, sick on vacation. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, on the way back, actually. Uh, you know, airplanes. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. I, Poor know. Thing. <laughs> I know, but it was great. We, uh, you know, we let off. We had our, our regional finals that we had talked about, um, and those went really well. All the horses were really super and dealt with the main stadium at the horse park, which can be very intimidating. And, and uh, Cassandra, who's been on the show, she won her two regionals and my black mare, Winnie. Uh, really, really showed me she could be a, a big time horse. She got a 69% the first day um, and, and and at the competitor's party and everything was going on and she was a rock star. Um, and then my lower level horses also did well. So I went literally right from the regionals, uh, boarded a plane with Travis and we headed to Dublin and we spent the week in Ireland and it was, it was awesome. I, recommend it to everybody to go to Ireland. It's it's well, a beautiful to
0: what
1: do? what's there to do in Ireland.
0: How did you get a cold? You were pickled by the time you got back on the plane.
1: I didn't know <laughs> we, people that people
2: We were, were pickled. <laughs> we were pickled actually. But um uh so we started the week in Dublin. We flew into Dublin and then spent the day a day and a half in Dublin. And then we headed north um to Carlingford Lock, which is a beautiful it's right on the border of Ireland and Northern Ireland. And uh, we stayed with a friend of ours, Patty Hughes and his family. Patty uh is the owner of Horse First Supplements. And he actually stayed with us during the World Equestrian Games. So we stayed with him and his family and um nice guy he gave I met us,
0: him actually. Uh yeah. he
2: yeah. he's a wonderful guy and um of course, everybody would totally uh, agree with me The the horsewear factory outlet was about 10 minutes from our from Patty's house. So, of course, we went there <laughs> uh, to see where the rugs were made. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. It was fun to actually go to horsewear. Um, and then we headed north and we went past Belfast and all the way up uh, along the coast of Northern Ireland, uh, which I highly recommend there. Literally, we passed one car in two hours. <laughs>
0: And I saw your so, picture at the Blarney Stone.
2: We we did the Blarney Stone. We did the uh, Cliffs of Moher. Uh, you have to kiss the Blarney Stone. Yes, it's very touristy, but it's it's. Wonderful that's maybe how sick. you got sick. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah, yeah <laughs>
2: probably. That is, that is. That yeah. is. That's exactly where that's I got a disease ridden um, stone. <laughs> yeah, it's disease-ridden Yeah, it, probably. But it was fun. I don't care. I get the pictures. I'll get over the cold. Um, and then we uh, stayed in a beautiful fishing village in the south called Kinsale. It's just beautiful. And um, then we headed north. And actually, we spent the last night at Patty's house. Actually, I think one of his kids, who are adorable, gave me their cold. So I think that's actually where I picked the cold up. But Now,
0: did you uh, you said there was, you promised your husband no horse riding or horsey events during this whole thing. But it sounds like you got a little horsey-related stuff in.
2: Well, we got a couple things. And everybody, we were driving in Northern Ireland. And there was this huge tack shop right on the side of the road. I mean, was, we went right by it. And so Travis is like, you want to stop, don't you? I was like, "Uh, yeah." He's like, "Okay." <laughs> it was actually—I I didn't know this, but it was the biggest tax shop in Ireland. We happened upon, so uh, <laughs> uh, oh, it was great. I got a couple just fun things. I like to, you know, every country has it their own way of doing things and and different little things that you can pick up that make your life a little easier. So, um, uh, we stopped in the tax shop, got a coffee, talked to everybody, and we were on our way. And then we did actually hit the Irish National Stud. So, um, highly recommend if you're there to go to the national stud, it, it's beautiful and, uh, was worth uh, that afternoon to kind of walk around and, and just see what barns, you know, barns are different all over the world. And I always like to see, um, how different farms do things. So highly recommend the Irish national stud when you're there. So it was great. We had a great week to too fast. You know how it goes. Vacation just goes too fast. Now, yeah, did you eat some bug. good food while you were there? Oh, you know, the Irish food is great. I have to be honest. I have to get on the treadmill because I ate way too many carbs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. And and, and we definitely, we went to the Guinness factory. So we drank a lot of Guinness and I am a fan of cider. So I drink, I actually drink a lot of cider and and that was fun. But you can't avoid the pubs when you go to Ireland. They're, They're a huge part of the culture. And um one of the things I really saw was the Irish people are amazing. It's a great country to go to because if you're lost or don't know where to go, uh we never stopped and we got lost a couple of times. um we never stopped and 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 people wouldn't stop and help us, so that was really cool and everyone speaks english and um it was really really a fun place to go, but you have to go to the pubs they're they're worth uh several hours to spend time and and just talk with the locals and and hear hear about what things are going on in the community it was it was fun it was great terrific great. yeah, yeah so had a good time yeah back to the grind but you know when you come back i was so happy to see my horses and uh i've had a couple that are really my big black mare. she was uh, super excited to work today she's like oh Bob's <laughs> home this is awesome and my anyway, young yeah. horse yeah. My, my big D D, uh, didn't quite get the memo that he was home and he had to go back to work. <laughs> so it's, not, it's not a fun ride I'm for so me happy. today. Yeah. Ew, I'm, I'm hoping tomorrow will be a little easier on me. Um, so, so, yeah, so, so getting the young horse back in routine has been a little bit of a challenge, but, uh, uh but it'll be fine. We'll get it. We'll get him back and in, in going. So, yeah, did you guys have a good week? Philip, did you have a great week off?
1: A week off of the show, but I still had to work. I wasn't running around <laughs> Ireland doing all kinds of stuff, you know. So uh, yeah, it's been good. You know, the horses, uh, the horses are great. People are great. So uh, yeah, we're just kind of plugging away here. And uh, and I just great. I just got some news here. We I know we have some news to cover
0: tonight. I I guess yep. I'll start off. Karen O'Connor is expected to go home uh, uh, t- tomorrow, as we do this, or Friday from the hospital, from her back uh, injury where she broke her back there. uh, And she had to have that surgery where they put the long rod in. Um, They said she's facing a long road to recovery. But uh, as Max, her faithful groom, uh, said, if anyone can do it, Karen can. So, uh, Yeah, good
1: good luck on the road to recovery for her.
0: Yeah, I mean, she had a heck of an operation. So uh, that was from a fall she took here a couple weeks ago. But just uh, Mm -hmm. saw that, thought I'd let everybody know. Great. Thank you.
2: Thank you, thank you. And so we've got some fun news in the world of dressage. Uh, Ravel, we all know Ravel. We talked to with Stefan this summer. But uh, Ravel, the horse Stefan Peters rode in two Olympics um, and the only second World Cup winner in the United States. And the team bronze medalist Michael Poulin will be inducted into the USDF Hall of Fame. And the induction ceremony will be at the convention, the annual convention in New Orleans, December 8th.
1: Yeah, well, a wonderful horse and uh, and a great U.S. rider there. Um, you know, Michael Poulin, he has had a lifelong commitment to dressage and supporting dressage riders and, and horses and, and people, so that's great.
2: Yeah, that's it'll be really fun. And, and if anyone is in Lexington and, and can stop by the USDF office, the Hall of Fame is something to walk through. Take a little bit of time, and it's really a special part of the building, and uh, it's fun. You can always go in there when the office is open, so... Um, oh, you and know, actually, I've never been. Huh. Really? Oh well, Philip, yeah. when you come visit, you'll well, we'll yeah, run you your... know,
1: that's one of the things <laughs> I haven't seen yet. So
2: yeah, no, that's. So a, that's you got to take thing.
1: me over there. That'd be great.
2: Yeah, so I have to be honest. This happened uh, right before I left, and we didn't report on it. But uh, Patsy Albert, she's seventy-six years old uh, of Chesapeake, Maryland, passed away um, right before I left, and. Patsy, um, I know I knew her personally, and she's absolutely one of the best um, organizers, chef to keeps, uh, and cheerleader that I have ever known. She is really uh, was a wonderful, wonderful woman. She was big in dressage, at Devon. Um, she's a lifelong supporter of the Young Rider Championships for Region One, um, and she really uh, extended all her expertise to management and officiating. Uh, so she is truly a loss to our uh, community. Um, Patsy passed away unexpectedly and she survived by her husband, Robert Albert, four children, five grandchildren and what one great grandchild. Uh, the memorial service was actually held October 17th. Um, and the family asked for donations to be made to the USDF Region 1 FEI young riders uh, could be submitted to Lisa Schmidt, Region 1 director, um, if you have any interest, but she that was really uh, she's a really wonderful woman and, and went way
1: too quickly for our yeah, community. Uh, a big loss, a big loss to uh, to everybody that knew her and uh, and for all the stuff that she organized and was involved in. Yeah, that's horrible.
2: But on some better news, um, the Dutch riders claimed the first two places in the opening leg of the World Cup dressage series in Odessen, in Denmark uh, the defending national the defending champs Adelinda Cornelissen and Jarek Parseval scored consecutive victories and Edward Gar series champion in 2010 with totalists uh, lined up second with Blues Ho- Horse Romanoff uh, while the Danish riders filled the next two places. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah. To
1: hear. Well, it's great that the, the World Cup circuit is starting again. There's some great shows coming up uh, all over, you know, in London and uh, yeah. We'll, we'll wait we'll, to see the scores and see how everybody does. And and uh where's the finals being held, Reese? Do you know?
2: Oh gosh, I would have to look it up, Philip. I'm sorry. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know right now either. That's too bad. We'll
2: know soon for everyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll we'll look it up and we'll we'll report next week. We'll let you know next week. week. Um,
2: yeah. but we have a great show today. Um it is kind of a quiet time of the year and, and Philip and I decided This would be a great time to kind of have some educational shows. So today we are talking with Beth Haste. Uh, She's going to do a series for us on bits, on snaffle bits. And next week will be double bridle bits uh, and curb bits. And she does a great job. So uh, I'm excited to have Beth Haste on the show today.
1: Yeah. And then we have Megan McIsaac, a a friend of ours and a trainer out of Wisconsin, to give us a trainer tip about... uh, about show nerves, and she has a lot of great suggestions that uh, we're looking forward to hearing about.
2: I'm, I'm very happy to have Beth Taste from The Horse of Course on the show today. Uh, she's going to speak about snaffle bits. Beth, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on tonight. Well, thank you for having me, Reese. So, Beth, you are going to talk to us today and and help us break down uh, bidding. We're doing a a series. So we're starting to talk today about the snaffle bit. So can you just get started on talking about snaffles and and how do we uh, distinguish for our horses?
3: You bet. Um, You can never look at a bit as just one single entity. You need to divide the bit into two pieces. The first piece being the cheek piece. Because the cheek piece will change things that the mouthpiece does. So when you look at a bit, you have to divide it into two places. So, for example, the egg butt and the D-ring and the full cheek and the Boucher are all what they considered a fixed cheek bit. And then you have, in a class of its own, is a loose ring. And when you look at these bits, you have to think of it in two different ways. One, there's a grammar school bit, and there's a high school bit, just like in school. And your grammar school bits are going to be the fixed cheek bits. So the D-ring, the egg butt, the full cheek, and the boucher. And these will lessen the information that goes down to the mouthpiece. And then on the other hand, you've got the loose ring, which is considered a high school bit because every movement of the hand vibrates down to the horse's mouth, which is why it's a high school dressage bit, because we want to have all this finesse. And then after you divide what appears to be a fixed cheek or a loose ring, then you can look at the mouthpiece, and then that's a separate piece altogether. And in a snaffle, you can have a couple of different bits. You can have a two-piece snaffle, which just breaks in the middle. Or you can have a three-piece snaffle, which has a small piece in the middle and two equal parts coming to that. And um, and then there's different, you know, there's twisted snaffles, there's, but they're still only broken in two pieces. So most snaffles are only broken into one, you know, two pieces or three pieces. So if this kind of helps you to look at something and to, to think about it. Do you have any questions on that?
1: No, I think that's pretty straightforward, Beth. Um, I'm just wondering maybe if we talk about kind of um, the differences even in, you know, like a full cheek versus the bow curve bit. Um,
3: Absolutely.
1: We're going to get into that. But I just bit. It'd be like great.
3: people to kind of, yeah, we just like want to, to to break it up into two or three portions so people can kind of think of it that way. So then when we talk about each individual one we kind of have a better way to look at it. So if you, uh, like if you wanted to start a young horse, if it's absolutely at the beginning, you may want to use a full-cheek snaffle. Number one, it won't put so much information down to the horse's mouth because it might confuse him. And then the other thing is the full-cheek will actually aid in direction for a direct rein. And that really helps a, a real beginning horse. And then I think that um, as the horse gets steadier in the bridle, then you can switch him over either to a D-ring, an egg butt, or a loose ring. But in the beginning, it really helps him with the direction.
2: So Beth, tell us about the D-ring. I don't typically use D-rings very often. When would you use a D-ring, and what what does a D-ring do?
3: Um, A D-ring, again, works like um, a fixed cheek bit. So a little less information is going down the rein to the mouthpiece. And the D-ring, and especially American D-rings, are quite long next to the, uh, to the mouthpiece, and that will also give more direction to a young horse. Almost work like a full-cheek snaffle.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it, it works very similar to a full-cheek, and then, and then the egg butt, in comparison, has a, a less kind of bit on the side of the horse's mouth. Is that correct?
3: That's correct. And in the egg butt, the egg butt um, doesn't give you the direction, but it's still a fixed cheek bit, so you still don't have too much information going down the rein to the mouthpiece. And uh, an egg butt can be really, really good for a beginner rider because maybe their hands aren't quite as steady or as precise as they could be. The full cheek, the egg butt, and the D-ring will maybe make it a little bit easier to communicate with the horse until the hands get a little bit better.
2: And how about the boucher? That's a little bit different action, isn't it, in the horse's Ah, mouth?
3: Yes. The boucher still works like a fixed cheek, so there's not going to be as much information going down to the ring. But wear a regular Snapper, whether it be an egg butt, loose ring, full cheek, or, you know, um, will still have the horse elevated a little at the pole, and then back to the rider's hand. Where the bow should differs is that it actually gets the horse to stretch a little bit more over the top line and lower the pole and then back to the hand. So for horses who carry themselves unnecessarily high, um, certain breeds do that. Um, if the horse is not quite Stretching from his hind hand over his top line, that might give him a little bit better idea and also lower that um, lower that pole.
1: And what pick do you maybe would recommend for a a horse with um, what I would describe as a strong mouth or a really kind of steady a horse that likes to pull a bit?
3: It's, it's there's two different things. They can be either be strong, which they just don't quite understand the connection yet, or they're not coming enough from behind. Um, and I don't know that a bit is going to help that. I mean, if we're talking about dressage, we're talking about um, what's legal and what's not legal. So there isn't an awful lot um, that's maybe a little stronger that would be good for a strong horse in dressage. But if you were jumping or um, doing a lot of other disciplines, they have a lot more option in their bit choices to give a little bit stronger bit. Um, like a, um, uh, a Dr. Bristol might be a little bit stronger bit if the horse was a little strong in the hand. But if the horse pulls, that's a whole different ballgame. And there's an actually there is a wonderful snaffle out there to help the horse not pull. And when you have a pulling situation, sometimes you have a rider that may be a little inexperienced that when the horse pulls, they pull back, and then it becomes a little bit of um, a syndrome. It's like who crossed the, you know, uh, what chicken, did the chicken or the egg cross the road first? I mean, you have to look at it as who started pulling. And if you've got a situation like that, um, there is a wonderful bit called the Wilson Snaffle. And that has two rings on each side, and two of the rings float to the middle of the bit. And you can attach that floating ring to the cheekpiece on either side, and then the regular Snaffle ring you attach to the ring. And what you have to do is get the rider to ride in a fixed hand position and not pull no matter what. And then when the horse pulls, those little sliding rings just put a little pressure on either side of the mouth. And when they're not pulling, it gives them a reward. And in no way is this harsh at all, it's just a little pressure. But they learn really quickly not to pull. And then the rider, of course, is fixing the hands So they're not pulling and contributing to the situation.
2: So Beth, you you briefly touched on legal versus not legal and that we don't have a lot of choices in the U.S. and and in Canada um, for bits that we can go to. Where's a great place, a resource to find out if the bit you're using is legal or not legal?
3: Well, I think that the USES website is always a great place to go to because that will list out... What bits are legal in each of the U.S.E.F.
1: sports? Great. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I mean, for sure it's all about the training, you know, but uh, I think it was a great point that Beth made about riders that don't have maybe super educated hands and maybe some resources uh, sources to help that um, with a little bit different bit changes. Um, you know, I've used that a little bit, depending on, you know, depending on the horse and the situation. But, uh, you know, just use it for a week or two weeks and then go right back to the snaffle just to show the rider sometimes, you know, how, how things should, should work and, and how to use the hands really correctly.
2: Exactly. I think that's a great idea. So, Beth, tell us a little bit about also sizing a snaffle. How do we do that if, if you don't have a resource close to you? How's a good way to figure out what size your horse needs to have?
3: Um, One good way to, uh, maybe uh, if you're in a barn situation, you could possibly borrow one or two bits, measure from inside the ring to inside the ring, or inside the fixed cheek piece to the other side of the inside of the fixed cheek piece to get an idea of what size you're going to start to put in their mouth. On a fixed cheek bit, you can go a little bit smaller because you're actually going to bring in the lips a little bit. And you don't have anything on a fixed cheek to pinch them. So you can actually get the lips in and sit the bit a little bit better in their mouths because the jaw bones are relatively narrow. And most of these horses are dealing with quite a bit of um, thick lip. And if you're putting a loose ring in, you must clear each side of the lip so we get no pinching. So to me, it's a little bit of a trial and error. And also to feel how narrow the uh, jaw bone. So when the bit sits in the mouth, it's going to sit on the bars in the correct place.
2: And what would be the standard size if you know, for horses, the average size?
3: I find there's an awful lot of horses that just go in anywhere from a four and three quarters to a five and a quarter, depending upon the breed. I know that I deal with a lot of warm bloods, and they have very thick lips, but they don't have a very large span between the bars in their mouth. And mostly you're dealing with lips. So if you're putting a fixed cheek in, I definitely go a lot smaller. So it sits on the bars in the correct place. And if it's a loose ring, we have to clear the lips. And if we get a bit, because of the width of the lips, um, that's too wide to clear to clear the corners. Then what happens, especially like in a three-piece bit, it can slide too much through the horse's mouth, and then it will not sit in the correct place on the bars. That's why you get some horses that should like a three-piece because it's really nice and soft, and they end up liking a two-piece better. Because of the, the width, including the lips, they're having to have a pretty wide mouthpiece. But when it slides through the mouth that middle piece won't end up sitting on the side of the tongue. So they get a, a, feel a little bit more comfortable with, um, with the two-piece.
2: Great. Well, Beth, thank you so much for helping us kind of uh, deconstruct Snaffle Bits. That was super helpful, and I personally was taking notes. So uh, thank you very much. And, Beth, where can, where can we find you on the web? You can find
3: us at www.thehorseofcourse.com.
1: Well, that was a very educational interview. After the commercial from Equestrian Collections, we're going to have Megan McIsaac about a trainer tip.
0: Hi, Glenn here from the Horse Radio Network, and I am with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with Equestrian Collections product of the week.
4: This week, I'm going to be featuring the MDC Super Sports Stirrup. They actually come in two styles, but basically the thing that sets these apart are the footbed. A lot of your listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with the NBC stirrup line because they're really top-of-the-line stirrups. They're the ones that have the little turny thing at the top where you can put your feet at any angle for comfort and to make your feet more correct in the stirrup. But this new one has a very wide base with non-stick aluminum padding. That base is about two and a half to 3 inches wide. And when you put your foot in that stirrup, You are secure. Your foot doesn't slip. You won't feel like your foot is going to slip. You really feel secure. It's great for fox hunters. Particularly, we were thinking fox hunters would love these because there's lots of good stability. And also, they come in with a flex side, the flexible hinge, which you can move your foot back and forth and you can feel that, or they come in the more traditional one without that flexible hinge for those who want a more traditional look like in the show ring. But if you're the jumpers, the fox hunters, anybody, beginners, anybody that wants a really solid feel should get these stirrups. Um, We've had trainers that got on uh, my friend's horse who has this stirrup and she said, oh my God. Where did you get these? Because they feel so good. Now, they're not inexpensive. The, uh, the ones with the flexible hinges are $200, dollars one hundred ninety nine ninety five. So they are for the serious rider. But I highly recommend them, really. The minute you put your foot in them, you're going to feel completely different well, and a lot more secure.
0: Well, and the other thing about MDC is it's top-quality stuff. This is, this is the good stuff. This is uh, made to last, and it will last. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Anybody that even has also has any kind of knee or leg issues, um, they'll find right. that these will help alleviate some of that as well. And, of course, this is the MDC Super Sport Stirrups and MDC other stirrups on there as well at equestriancollections.com. Just search for M-D as in dog, C as in Charlie. And I
4: also want to mention trail riders. They are great for riding on hilly trails, too, for that secure feel.
0: Especially with the wider foot base, That would be Exactly. NBC Supersport Stirrups
1: at EquestrianCollections.com. It's a pleasure to introduce Megan McIsaac, a trainer from Wisconsin. Her farm name is Lindenhof, and she is a Grand Prix rider and a wonderful person, and she's going to talk about show nerves.
2: Megan, thanks so much for coming on the Dressage Radio Show tonight. Oh, definitely. Thank you for asking me. So we're, we're really excited. You are our trainer tip of the week. So what's your tip about? I have several suggestions, uh, for, uh, showing and
5: nerves. My first one is, um, when you're going to the show, make up three goals. Um, and that could consist of number one is always have fun, but like ride your corners. Well, have a better angle. Think about the activity that your horse needs. um, it really helps my students um, and myself to go into the show um, with a focus and not just, Oh my gosh, I'm here. What do I do? They already know. Um, And then a lot of times my students have um, very bad anxiety. And so just walk through your worst case scenario. So like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I could fall off. What do you do? You get back up and you just, You just go on. Uh, Another one is visualize your test um, and your warm-up, which Jane Savoy has great videos and books. I don't need to get into that. Um, Don't change your warm-up. Communicate with your coach. Um, A lot of times I go in and as the coach, and I have these great ideas for my students and different expectations, and then they completely change uh, when we go to the show. And so I don't know what's going on in their minds. And it would be so helpful if they say, I'm nervous. And I think that's a huge one. It's just acknowledge um, that you have show nerves, deal with them. Don't sweep them under the rug and say you're not nervous. I have several more. Do you want to talk about individual ones or do you want me to just keep going?
1: Well, I like it. I, I mean, I think these are all wonderful ideas, Megan. You can, if you've got okay. more, keep going.
4: I have. I <laughs> Keep it going, um, girl.
1: I think I think All show right. nerves are a huge thing for people because you know huge. we we spend a lot of time training and you know preparing for a show and when you get there everybody wants to live up to expectations, right? So mm-hmm. I, you know I I mean I have show nerves. Reese has show nerves. I that's so. for sure. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, thank uh-huh. you, Philip. So, no, I, think- I, I, actually, you're right. I, I had really bad show nerves, and I really uh-huh. had to figure out how to handle my show nerves. That was a huge part for me in my late teens, when I felt uh-huh. like people were really watching, and 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 I had to live up to some great expectation. And, and um, I have had to do a lot of the things that you have said, and uh, uh-huh. I also try to work with my students that way because, um. Uh-huh. Everybody gets nervous. I don't care because we all are competitive on some level. If you entered the horse show, we are all going for a reason and to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not necessarily to win, but we all want to do well or do, do better than we did the weekend before. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it is a huge part. Um, and I mm-hmm. loved when you said don't change your warm up uh, uh-huh. I can't, can't tell you how many times I'll come down or I'll be, I'll, you know, I'll tell my student I'll be there at, you know, eight o'clock and, and at seven fifty I, I happen to start down the hill and they're doing something that they've never done before. And uh-huh. that's a huge one. Don't change your warm up. have a plan and stick to it. Don't, uh, just cause you're nervous. Think you need to be riding Piaf. If you're riding a fourth level test, you know, just, just don't right. need to do that. It keeps so keep calm. going. I mean,
5: you You start getting into that routine if you don't change your warm-up. Another big thing for me is I have a team of students that I go with, and there's always that team dynamic. And luckily, I have great people, and they just step up. They um, hold water. They hold coats. But another part of the team dynamic is each individual gets nervous. And so what I do is I take them out as a group, whether it's dinner or there's cute little shops. And I get them off the show ground and I kind of distract them like we went to a movie one time. And then we went back to the show and they showed and they were so relaxed. It was the best show. All, all of my students did well that show. And that I never thought of doing that. And there was actually one of their suggestions. Hey, can we go to a movie? And we had four hours to kill and we did. So um, another one is know your limits. Um, should you ride one or two tests per day? Maybe, um, you should only go to a one day show versus a three day show. Um, a lot of times people are exhausted by the third day or they show better on the third day. So just knowing your limits, um, and don't overdo it. Um, also I have over prepare versus under prepare, you know, so over prepare, don't ride your test, you know, for two weeks leading up to the show. Versus underprepare, you know, at least ride your test once. And for me, I find going out like a trail ride the day before the show and just really light work the week of the show is really helpful for me. But I found with my students, I have to have them go through their test once a week. I don't know why. It just seems to work with my students. So I suggest that for adult amateurs. Also recognize when it isn't any fun anymore, you know, showing should be fun. I don't care what level you're at. I, that's why I'm on vacation. I I got burnt out. That's why I go to Maryland to meet with both of you and the Hasslers and there's such positive energy and I get burnt out. And so do my students.
1: Yeah, I think and that's good. And uh, I know we deal with a little bit of a problem here rather than, mm-hmm. than some people in the South is that we have a very short show season. It's basically mm-hmm. May to to September, maybe, you know. So, mm-hmm. there's all these shows that are kind of packed in all, you know, all in those months. And you almost find yourself showing or feeling like you're showing every single weekend. And then mm-hmm. in the winter, there's nothing. And, you know, so you can definitely, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, scale it back a little bit and say, I'm just going to do one show a month or, or you know, just just recognize when when too much when it is too much right and, right. Uh, and not not get overwhelmed i think that's a good point
2: well, we were just talking about how you can get burnt out and going to extra shows. You have to remember, showing is tiring. I don't care um, if it's in your same town or if it's far away. You know, the driving is stressful and figuring out who's going to take care of your animals and your family. Um, so I think it is really important to think about when you go to showing. Um, and that does lead to anxiety when you say, you know one show a month or you know I sat down with my trainer and we planned the year and it is we're going to have a busy may but we're going to have an easier july or, or however you work it i think that's really important that um i think when you go to a lot of shows you get tired i don't know about you guys but i do
5: i get exhausted and i found too you know maybe the training isn't fully confirmed and that works for me. I might be able to cover it up, but you know, you have the next show and the next show, and then maybe you only have four days in between to prepare, or you do have two weeks. It's just not enough time um, when you get into the show season and you're stuck and you need to acknowledge that and maybe not go to that show, even if you need to qualify for a regionals or you need the next score. I think a lot of times, I found this year it was really tough. My students were going for medals and uh, the USDF medals and it was that last score and they put all this stress and they ended up chasing scores. And how do you deal with that? It isn't fun anymore. It it isn't fun for me as the coach. um, And I know it isn't fun for them. And you have to change your plan. Last one, be prepared, uh, you know, with your equipment. Don't change your equipment. Same thing with your clothes, you know, put your show clothes on before the show, make sure it all fits um, and that you feel comfortable in it because then you, you are going to be confident. And as well as a schedule, I write up a schedule and my students make fun of me because I write, you know, five o'clock get up, you know, it's really detailed and that just makes me feel comfortable. Some people it's not going to work for them. That might drive them crazy, but you know, it's, you know, um, start Getting ready is one. Um, start lunging if you have a lunging horse, or be on and then put time to walk down to the warm up. And then, how much time do you need in the warm up? Usually 15 minutes, depending on the horse.
2: So, those are my tips. No, oh, I love that. I love the schedule that your students should make fun. I do the same thing, uh, mm-hmm. especially for you know, if it's if, a trainer. I hear a lot of people say, well, my trainer can't get there. or They have this or they have that. Um, I think it's important that we, we lay out so everybody knows where the trainer is, but also uh-huh. um, I think it's important to have a schedule and it makes you uh, just stop and think about how long is it going to take me to get ready? Or, um, you know, all the little things like I need to eat lunch at some point during the day. You have to eat something. So, You know, if you can't eat a big thing, you know, have a banana or be prepared for that. So you don't go through the day and get really cranky by the time your ride comes around. I think that's really important. So I love the schedule. Mm -hmm. We do a schedule big time at our place.
5: And it's great, too, when you have a team, because I may not be able to watch the first timer, um, but the rest of the team members are saying, hey, she's not getting ready. That's actually what happened at one of our very first shows. And so they had a schedule. Everyone has a schedule. And they were like, hey, don't you think you should start getting ready? And so they watch each other. So they can take on the responsibilities as well, you know, for themselves, for their teammates. And it isn't all me taking on the responsibility, which is wonderful, I have to say, because I might be in the warm-up riding a horse or coaching a person. So it's great.
2: It's great to have that team. I'd highly recommend a team. No, I agree. I think you need a team and everybody. Again, it's you're going to a horse show for fun, so it is important mm-hmm. to to be there with your with your team members. And uh, you know, it's cute. I looked up at the last horse show, and and one of the girls couldn't get their hair up right, and you know, so I think that's fun, and it makes it a lot a lot more enjoyable and less stressful for everybody. So, well, mm-hmm. Megan, these were great tips. Thank you so much for your tips, and we hope you can come back again. You bet, anytime. Just let me know. So, Philip, I'm really looking forward to our discussion with Beth next week on bits, uh, double bridle bits. I think that's going to be great, and and I certainly took notes today.
1: Yeah, I mean, she made me think about a few things I haven't uh, haven't really thought about before, and uh, some suggestions for young horses and stuff. That's wonderful. So, if we get as much out of her next week as we did this week, it's it'll be a great interview.
0: I have I something to bring up before we go today, though. Okay. Uh, I saw a picture on Facebook today on Reese's page of her horse, Minnie, Fleur de Lis. Uh, I forgot to say that. And it said, uh, Minnie is officially a riding horse. I'm a proud mama. And what I loved about that, you know what I'm going to say. What I loved about that was, here is her, how old is Minnie? She's two. She's at the
2: end of her two-year-old year. Yeah,
0: beautiful baby. That's now a beautiful horse, and it's now an official riding horse. And there is Reese holding it with one of her students on top to get punished.
1: <laughs> yeah, I years. know. I always tease Reese about this. Absolutely, but I don't think it's not official. It's not an official riding yeah. horse until Reese gets on. That's it, right,
2: <laughs> <laughs> kids. We know that's going to be a little while. Is the yeah, girl's no, um, name? Uh,
0: what's the girl's name? Tess dummy? Is that her <laughs> name?
2: <laughs> she dummy. she does call herself a baby <laughs> monkey, but uh, her name's Laura Kraus. She's wonderful okay. and. <laughs> and she, uh, Minnie's just been progressing beautifully. I've, this baby's, uh, I really have her in high regard because, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about that. I do some groundwork, uh, with all the young horses and I don't usually sit on them this early, but Minnie was doing really well. And, uh, Laura said, Oh, Hey, I'll sit on her. And I said, that sounds great. <laughs> uh, so we, I, we are yeah. Yeah, we're just walking her around and just playing, right? You know, obviously I, I had a hold of her. We we did her in a, a little bit more confined space before we got this picture today. But uh, no, she was great and really easy, and and kind of goes to the the theory that if they're well handled and well taken care of, and you know, we've been laying over and fussing with her, uh, you know, since she was born. So honestly, it it really hasn't been that big of a deal. And, um, you know, Laura, you have a
1: good, a good trust bond going, right. I mean, the horse has no reason to be suspicious or nervous or anxious or fearful. Right. I think that's really important.
2: Yeah. And she, um, you know, I try to do something with her uh, at least three or four times a week. So she's very used to coming into the ring and, you know, and I try to do all kinds of funny stuff with her. Like sometimes once a week, she sets fences with me. I bring her out and they're jumping and, and, and I'll bring her out and make her stand there and help out. (laughs) <laughs> um, so, <laughs> you know, just things like that. And I think that's what makes a good horse at the end. And, uh, we're not going to do a ton with her. We're just kind of sitting on her and walking her around a little bit and, and we'll finish her, uh, in a couple of weeks. She'll, uh, I'd like to get her to just walk around outside nicely. And, um, then we'll really start riding her next year. Uh, but this is just playing and, and she seemed ready. So we went ahead and, and went for it. So it's going well. So hmm. fingers crossed for Miss Laura, but trust me, I'm holding her pretty tight for Laura, but uh, Laura's Laura's great, and you know, again, it goes to, I don't, I don't, I do not like writing that age. we've all talked about that, and I think it's important that if you're not competent with a step, uh, then you need to find someone that is, and uh, you know, do another role, so I'm clearly the one holding her, but everybody could go on our Facebook page and uh, and see her, so it was a pretty fun day today.
0: And Laura looks Looks too young to know any different at this point so she's <laughs> she's, <laughs>
2: she's, in, she's in college but she likes to she's an inventor and, and she likes to uh, do uh, games she was on the, oh, the internet
0: well, she can stick to, anything, then. Oh, yeah, can stick you to anything
2: yeah she did actually today was the first day she didn't Wear a safety vest. She did actually wear a safety vest for the first. Uh, she's been on her actually a couple times before, and and, and a little more enclosed she's space. Got
0: Velcro butt. She was a games kid. She's got Velcro butt. <laughs>
2: yeah. So again, I I have access to someone that is very confident, and uh, I think that's important uh, when you're starting young horses. So, uh, but yeah, it was a big day today, and Minnie was so good, and and that's why we own horses, right? Is when you can say I'm I'm super proud of my horse, and and we just loved on her all afternoon. So she she thinks she's a star right now she could <laughs> yeah,
1: well she's gonna build her confidence and you know when she comes back to real riding she'll be off to the shows and be a great horse yeah
2: exactly and i'll probably take her to some shows just to get on and off the trailer with the big boys and and i start doing that i'll start doing that when we get home from Florida. so the showing will also will will just make it very simple and have her just come and walk around and Know it's a good thing, so yeah, it's it, you know, it's nice. My I'm getting very competent with my own young horse program, so it's going well,
0: very good.
2: Oh, so, yeah, but everyone can check out my Facebook page and see you're on there. So, right. but um, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search dressage radio show. Follow us on Twitter at horse radio, and my website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com.
1: You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com. And my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. And I'd like to thank our sponsor, Equestrian Collections. And don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com.
2: Keep your heels down and your shoulders back. And we'll talk to you next week.